Good morning, Tommy, and welcome to the Local Paleo Show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. Good morning, Mark. How's everything in England? Wonderful, thank you. Can't complain at all. Can't complain. Nope. No complaining allowed at all today. No. But you can. That's okay. (laughs) We won't listen, (laughs) but... I'm I'm used to it, you know. Actually, of the two, I'm the one complaining the most. Uh, he's, he's very uh, stiff of upper lip, very English, very British. So, Tommy, uh, your friend Mark Pettus suggested we talk to you, and uh, here you are. Um, a short introduction. You are the senior fellow at the pediatrics department at the University of Washington, chief scientific officer at Nourish Balance Thrive an online-based company using advanced biochemical testing to optimize performance in athletes. That was mm-hmm. a mouthful. <laughs> can you uh, tell us about your background? What can uh, you tell us? How do you came about to... Because you're... Uh, technically, are you British or are you American? I'm technically both and also Icelandic. I have triple citizenship for anybody who's counting. Um, wow. So... Uh, as you can probably tell, I was uh, raised in the United Kingdom, mainly. Uh, my dad's English, my mom is Icelandic. I was born in the US, uh, but not wasn't there for long enough for the, the accent to stick. Um, so I did most of my training in the UK. I have an undergraduate degree in biochemistry from the University of Cambridge. Then I went uh, to Oxford for medical school. I worked in central London for a couple of years as a, as a junior doctor and then moved to Norway to do a PhD. I have a PhD in uh, physiology and neuroscience, mainly looking at um, brain injury in in babies and how to treat brain injury in babies. That's kind of where most of my academic work has has been focused. Um, But on the side, you know, over the last decade, 15 years, I've done a lot of uh, coaching, working with athletes, and now that's what I spend most of my time doing, and I'm currently based uh, in Seattle in, in the United States. Right. So are you a baby whisperer or athlete whisperer? <laughs> a bit of both. I actually, most of my research is in the lab with animals. So I'm the baby rat whisperer more than the baby whisperer. Um, um, okay. But then also, but, but hopefully more, more with athletes. That's why I spend most of my time uh, at the moment. So um, how did you come to um, work with Nourish Balance uh, Thrive? So Nourish Balance Thrive is... Like you said, an, an online-based company, we work with athletes, but also with people um, with uh, various chronic health issues. And the idea is we want to just help people perform as, as they want to in the um, fields or the areas that they want to perform in for, for as long as possible. So basically making people as healthy as possible uh, for as long as possible. That's, that's, that's our goal. And it was started, uh, as you've mentioned, mainly to work with athletes by a guy called Christopher Kelly, who's our CEO. He's a former computer uh, a software engineer and was a professional level mountain biker. But because of all the various, you know, the way uh, the traditional endurance athlete is told to eat and the way they're told to train, uh, for most people, that's actually pretty bad for their health. And that was certainly the case for him. Um, and then he figured out how to fix himself by fixing his diet and various other things and then started a company uh, to, to help people uh, do that. And there's you know, a whole host of endurance athletes have come out of the woodwork with exactly the same issues, um, which obviously isn't surprising. Um, And 
I heard him talking on a podcast actually um, while I was doing my PhD and I uh, reached out to him and we started a dialogue and uh, I sent him, I don't know, about 4,000 research papers on various things that I found interesting that I thought he might find interesting. Um, and eventually I became a chief medical officer and now chief scientific officer just because we're in the US. I don't I have, a, I have a medical degree, but I don't have a medical license in the US. My medical license is in the UK. So I'm chief scientific officer focusing on the research and then also coaching the athletes directly. Okay, cool, cool. I noticed on the website there's a motto that says optimal, optimum fitness and health. Um, can you explain that to us? Yeah, it's essentially um, being able to do the things that you want to do um, and feeling good while you're doing them. And for an athlete, that may be something that pays the bills. You may be a, a sponsored professional triathlete and you need to be able to perform well at triathlon to be able to, you know, make sure you get a paycheck and that's, that's where you earn your living. But equally um, it may be, uh, you know, optimal um, health and fitness may just be somebody who wants to be able to play with their grandkids or, you know, feel good without pain, be able to move, be able to do everything they want to do, be able to perform uh, well at work or well with their family uh, for as long as possible. So it's, um, it, it, it's a very subjective thing. Um, and I think if you're truly healthy and happy and you're able to do all the things that matter to you, I think that, that should really be the focus in terms of trying to improve health. Mm. The ever-elusive happiness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to say that uh, happiness is a concept that was created by marketing people to make us feel miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so being being happy actually isn't enough to help to make you be healthy or, or live a long time. But right, right. Um, but can you switch that around? And can you say that being healthy and um, accomplished can make you happy? Well, I think the the main thing is actually uh, living uh, what you subjectively feel is a meaningful life is the most important thing. So. Happiness comes and goes and occasionally you'll feel happy and occasionally you feel sad and that's perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. um, nobody should be happy all the time or else that's probably, that's probably uh, pathological. We'll put it that way. Right. Um, oh, they're, but, they're, they're using some pills. Yeah, maybe. Well, the pills don't, pills often don't work as well as we're told. But mm. yeah, just, you know, living a life that you think uh, is meaningful to you and you're doing things that are meaningful to you, that, that's the important thing and happiness mm. will come along the way. Yeah, I've always uh, found myself to be suspicious of people that act happy all the time. Uh -huh. They don't seem human, right? <laughs> or either that or they're hiding something. They're not really happy, but they pretend to be happy. Because yeah. as, as you know, you come from Europe as well. So um, we tend to be in Europe, we tend to be a little more um, down to earth about it. You know, if you're happy, you're happy. But if you're sad... Um, uh, process it. I mean, deal with it, process it. Don't pretend to be happy when you're sad and just, you know, go with the flow and then eventually you're going to come out the other side and you'll be, you'll be okay again. But um, uh, I find that the American culture emphasizes happiness to the detriment of um, actually feeling our feelings. Is, uh, I mean, I know we're not talking, um, it's not your forte psychology, but uh, what do you have to say about this? Uh, I mean, I, I completely agree. And I, on, on both counts, it's not my forte, but it's, in, you know, it's incredibly important. And that's something that we've, we've figured out a lot ourselves too. So we recently uh, brought in uh, a fabulous uh, performance psychologist who works with pretty much all of our clients because be it the way uh, you think about what you eat or the exercise you do or 
how you respond to stresses in your environment or whether you want to create behavior change, the psychology of that is, is incredibly important. I think, you know, almost everybody needs, needs some help there. Um, but yeah, being able to be sad or upset or is incredibly important. And I, I've, uh, I often tell a story of, of a friend of mine who, uh, got married fairly young, uh, moved country, uh, was, wasn't around his friends and family and, um, you know, got, got a new job, which he didn't really like. And, you know, eventually, you know, went to the doctor, wasn't feeling good and was, was diagnosed with depression, but actually just figured out that he was in a new country. He had no friends. He didn't like his job. And actually he didn't really like his wife. And that's a perfectly normal reaction. He's not depressed. It's a perfectly normal reaction to the situation right, yeah. he's in. And, and, you know, you don't need a drug for that. You just need to change the environment. So, right, so I, right. I completely agree. It's all very, all very, all very important. Uh, uh, part so, so psychology is also part of your program. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. A yeah. very, very important part because I can often have a great idea what you might need to eat or how you might need to change your training or maybe a supplement that I think you should take. But um, mm -hmm. how you build that into a habit that helps you, you know, you know create a, a healthy environment or lifestyle that's going to work for you you know, decades into the future, um, you know, the psychology is the most important part. So we can know what somebody, uh, what we think somebody should do, but whether they actually do it and it benefits them, you know, that all comes down to the psychology. Right, right. It must be that um, infamous Puritan spirit that uh, forces Americans to uh, repress their feelings. Uh, <laughs> Mark, Mark uh, uh, I teased him about it one day and because, you know, we were talking about this kind of... Um, tendency in Americans and I said why the uh, you know what happened what uh, Mark remind me what what you said about you sent all the bad ones to America <laughs> and that was Australia <laughs> it's Australia I think yes that, that was the first port of call no no we, you sent the criminals to Australia but the uh, the Puritans you would send them to Americans right well, this is true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think we sent them. Uh, I think they sort of left of their own volition. You know, yeah. But they were. And, um, yeah. And if, if, if you think that being persecuted is, is their own volition. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So now that we clear that, uh, back to business. Um, so you work on the diet side of things with clients? Yes. Um, we, we, we basically deconstruct and reconstruct all aspects of lifestyle as necessary. So diet is obviously very important, but then we do all the other stuff, um, sleep, uh, distress tolerance, you know, being able to uh, handle stresses, how, how, how to you know, deal with those. And then also, you know, movement or exercise or whatever it is that they do, be they an athlete or not. So pretty much everything can come under scrutiny as and when uh, is necessary. But then, you know, the idea is to build somebody back up such that they become robust and healthy for as long as possible. And we yeah. put people in a place where they don't need us anymore. That's, mm -hmm. that's always the goal. So typically what diet do you recommend? Do you have a, like a favorite diet or is just adapted to the client? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all of them. I like all the diets. Uh, so I, I, I do, do adapt them to the, to the client. Uh, this is obviously the low carb paleo show, show. And those are, two aspects that we use a lot. So um, often um, uh, an elimination type diet, starting with something like paleo, whole 30 is a great place to start uh, for many people, depending on what's going on. Um, restricting carbohydrates, um, often very important in people if they have some kind of metabolic or health issues. However, I think it's worth saying that carbohydrates aren't inherently evil and we do work with a lot of athletes and 
carbohydrates used in the right way do improve performance. So, you know, getting, getting the right balance and making sure that you're doing that properly is very important. And sometimes uh, we'll go um, exactly the, the opposite way. So there are some people who usually we think because there's something going on in the guts, they don't tolerate um, high fat diets very well, particularly uh, refined fats, bulletproof coffee, all that kind of stuff. And we'll go, you know, for a short period of time down the low fat plant-based whole foods kind of way and then we'll slowly add back in foods animal foods that have some some uh you know the nutrient dense ones like sardines and liver and egg yolks and things like that so the whole spectrum we use depending on what you know the the person in front of us what's uh what's your impression of the new trend towards uh keto diet towards the keto diet ketogenic yeah so um like i mentioned a uh, that sort of restricting carbohydrates, uh, particularly in people with metabolic disease, obesity, type two diabetes. I think that should be uh, that should be standard of care. And I, I don't imagine many people listening to this would disagree. Um, you'll see mm-hmm. the great uh, data coming out of uh, things like Verta, where they're doing um, you know now studies in people ketogenic diet and type two diabetes, dramatic improvements in uh, glucose control, dramatic imp- or reductions in terms of the amount of medications that people need. Um, and you know sustainable health and weight loss. I don't think that everybody needs that, and I always always think that if you're actually truly metabolically healthy, you should be able to tolerate quite a wide range of foods without it adversely affecting how your brain functions or your or your blood sugar levels. But you know, some people because of everything they've been exposed to, everything they've done in their lives, they just they need that uh, a ketogenic diet in in the long term. So yes, in, incredibly powerful when used in in the right scenarios. Right. So you use one of my favorite words, balance. Uh... I, I and this is a personal impression, but don't you feel that the keto diet is imbalanced? Too much, too much fat, not enough, not enough of um, balance. Is, you know, um, is it really healthy for everyone, or is it specific? Should it be specific to certain uh, people and certain uh, health issues? Yeah, that, that's a great question, and it's something where. You know, a lot of people who um, have concerns about the ketogenic diet will, will come up and, and, and say, you know, this probably isn't something that any human uh, was exposed to in the long term, you know, as part of our evolution. And I think that's, that's true. Wherever you were on the planet, you know, usually the further you are away from the equator, probably the more likely it was that you would have spent time uh, in ketosis. So I have a Scandinavian North American heritage. So it's probably throughout the winter, I probably didn't eat any carbohydrates or my, my ancestors didn't. So that's probably something that I'm adapted to people who live close to the equator. That's uh, maybe less of the case. Um, if you look at long-term studies of ketogenic diets, so uh, particularly in kids with epilepsy, there are some, some issues that come up um, in terms of uh, failure to thrive or not growing properly, uh, some nutrient deficiencies. But some of those diets were really poorly formulated. They were basically giving kids just meters of um, soybean oil and calling it good. So I think if you're really focusing on the nutrients in your food, um, that, that would make a big difference. And equally, you know, there are some people who've struggled with, with uh, a number of health issues for a long period of time, and that could be um, mental health or it could be gut-related. And when they go on a, uh, a good, well-formulated ketogenic diet, they just feel so much better. And I think mm. that subjective... Um, the subjective quality of life is really um, is really uh, underestimated in terms of how important it is. So you can worry about things on the biochemistry and the blood test results, and yes, that's you know interesting and it's certainly worth worrying about in some people. But if somebody changes their diet, they go on a ketogenic diet, and they just feel really good all the time, and they used to feel really crap all the time, then I think that 
that really does tell you something. Uh, but absolutely, there are some people, with, plenty of people we work with where they've tried a ketogenic diet, you know, they've done it well for, they tried it for whatever reason, or we, we thought it might be a good idea for whatever reason, and it just doesn't work for them. So then okay. we'll, we'll try something else. And I think that that's fine too. So what I'm, uh, what I'm hearing from you is that you really, um, you look at the client uh, separately, uh, your client separately from each other, and then you adapt, uh, you recommend a diet that would work, most likely work for them, instead of using a blanket diet for, for everyone. Yes, absolutely. And I'll have to admit that sometimes we're wrong. You know, it's, it is partly an empirical process. You think this is the picture in front of me. I think this will be, um, this will be the right thing to try. And sometimes it just doesn't work for people. So you have to try something else. And, and we're at, we're at the point, uh, a point in time where um, that's, that's still what we have to do. And there's mm -hmm. many uh, parts of medicine actually where, where, you know, if you, if you look back maybe uh, 50 to a hundred years, uh, elimination diets were um, were the standard of care for various things, but it required some tinkering. You had to take stuff out, add stuff in, and, and sort of mm. figure out what works best. Um, and we're still there. Uh, however, you know, hopefully, as we generate more data, we start to understand stuff better. We can maybe uh, develop some tools to help predict uh, what might mm. what might be the best approach and how we might want to change that over time. Right, right. So, um, oh. I thought of a question and all of a sudden it's gone. Oh yeah. Uh, how do you figure out, I mean, what kind of test do you take to figure out what would be the proper diet for your clients? So we've traditionally done quite a lot of, a lot of testing. It's quite a comprehensive program. Um, we've done uh, blood testing, some uh, urine testing, uh, something called uh, urinary organic acids, which can give you some idea of nutrient requirements and some of the other things that are going on inside the body. Um, we look at hormones. Uh, we used to, we, sometimes we look at those in urine tests. Uh, often now we look at those in the blood. And then, so, then we have a lot of um, athletes with gut issues and, and gut symptoms. So we'll often do stool tests and things like that to try and figure out what's going on in the gut. So um, all of that uh, comes together. And then also um, the history. So they tell us what they've, because we work with people who are usually um, they spent a lot of time working on this them, themselves. Um, and so they listen to lots of podcasts, read lots of blog posts. They've, they've spent some time on the journey already. So they will already have a good idea of what does and doesn't work for them. Um, and so that, that's important information to, to, to take into account. And then based on all of that stuff, uh, we might look at um, you know, the, ma the macronutrients. So uh, protein, fat, carbohydrates, whether we need to work with that. Um, we have lots of ways of assessing uh, nutrient requirements. So maybe uh, they'll need to increase foods that contain certain nutrients or will uh, supplement with certain nutrients, B vitamins or multivitamin or other minerals or things like that, which are often very important. Um, and then, it, like, like I said, there's, there can be a bit of a trial and error. We hopefully will get people to a point where they don't need to take supplements, mm -hmm. they don't need to add stuff in, they just have a, a diet that sustains and nourishes them um, every day and without having to add extra stuff in. Um, but equally, sometimes you just need to stay on top of uh, certain nutrients and, and then you can supp supplement with those as needed. Right, right. And if I understand this right, uh, typically those tests points out what is not there or what is needed uh is that typically the whole picture or is that could that lead you in the right direction but not necessarily give you the whole because i mean uh someone could be short in um 
lacking potassium or this or that, and it's easy enough to give a supplement, but how, how do you get the whole picture? How can you paint the whole picture with all these tests? Yeah, that, uh, that, that's a good question. And so we, we use multiple, multiple avenues. So you can look at both what the person eats to begin with. Then, like I said, uh, there are, you might look at the end products of metabolism in the urine, which give us an idea. And then we also uh, test the levels of things in the blood. And we've actually, uh, Chris, the CEO who I mentioned earlier, has developed some uh, machine learning uh, algorithms, which we have a sort of a separate tool called the blood calculator, which has basically taken, it's about 70,000 people's worth of blood tests now. And based on uh, the measurements of various nutrients in their blood, so we're talking vitamin D, B12, folate, uh, magnesium, all those kinds of things, um, based on some very simple blood tests, something that almost anybody could get from their doctor, we can predict, you know, so you can see, so the algorithm can see patterns in the data that says, you know, this person looks like somebody who has low B12, or this person looks like somebody who has um, low magnesium. Um, and so if you bring all of that together, so multiple, multiple um, sort of points of view, uh, then that can give you an idea of, of, of where uh, you might want to intervene. Right, right. So unlike the typical Western medicine doctor, you actually listen to your patients. Yes, that's very important. We spend a lot of time talking to our patients. Um, it's right. online. We do uh, co uh, co conversations like this um, over Zoom. And then we also spend a lot of time in the team talking to each other because each person has talked to, talked to the client and, you know, you get a different part of the story, you know, and it's very important to sort of fit all that stuff together. Absolutely. So, so each one of you actually interviewed the clients separately and then you get together and figure out amongst it, uh, you know, as, as a meeting, you figure out what you should do with that patient. Yeah, exactly. So I uh, am often one of the first people to, to, to speak to somebody when they come in, uh, just kind of figure out what, the, um, what they want, what's been going on with them. Um, and then we have um, some coaches who work with them on various aspects of nutrition and other parts of the lifestyle. Um, and, and we'll, uh, you know, twice a week, I get together with all the coaches and we, we talk about clients as, 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 as things come up and try and integrate the best plan. And that changes over time. And we work with people right. for, for many months at a time because a lot of this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, takes a while to, to figure out so do you um you know um throughout time do you adjust the diet accordingly um yeah 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 absolutely um and i think that's something that's always important to remember is that what works for you now may not work for you in the future or may not be the best mm -hmm. thing for you in the future and you know you have to be your own health advocate so you have to figure out what's best for you and we help people to figure that out but they um you know that is going to be a continuous, um, a continuous process. So if you're somebody who's passionate about your own health, that's just uh, a process that, that you have to engage in and, and be cognizant of the fact that just because something was the right tool um, at a given moment in time, and that could be dietary, so low carb or paleo, you know, um, keto, you know, maybe that worked really well for you at one point, but at some point you need to transition to something else. And if you, again, don't start to feel well or other things start to come up, then it's time to, to maybe try something else. Right. Of course, right here um, in the show, we tend to focus on the diet side of things, but there's other aspects, uh, mm -hmm. uh, sleep, stress level. Uh, can you address some of that? Yeah, <clears throat> that's, um, all of that is, is incredibly important. And again, um, will depend uh, from per person to person. So there's, you know, there's no such thing as like the perfect amount of sleep. Um, but, you know, talking to people about how they feel when they wake up, the amount of time that they get to spend in bed, we might do some sleep tracking. And that's, um, 
people, there's, you can generate a lot of data now, and it's actually sort of in the research is coming up there's sort of there's now a, a pathology in terms of the amount of data that people collect and obsess over the data and they obsess over how many minutes of each type of sleep that they had and that's despite the fact that most of the things that you're using to measure this stuff aren't really that accurate um so you can gather some data and that's that's important but in reality if you're talking about sleep you know getting getting to getting to sleep in in good time so you have a good amount of time in bed uh it's it's dark inside um, and the, the corollary of that is that you need to get light during the day outdoor sunlight you know because the light that you get inside is not enough to properly set your circadian rhythm so it's dark and it's cool um, and you get some opportunity to relax before bedtime you know that's going to be most of what you need to do and giving yourself the time to do that uh, is very important but you know other things can pop up and maybe you know uh, addressing other factors it could be uh, health issues it could be maybe maybe some small supplementation some stuff that can help people get going but again um, the idea is to create a habit that will allow you to get good sleep um, um, as, as often as possible um, and then you know the stress thing again is very subjective so there's no such thing as something that's stressful right so what might be stressful to me may not be stressful at all to you um, and I think one of the best examples I have of this is um, uh, about six months ago, I was at a meeting. We, we were looking at ways to uh, improve the health of uh, elite warfighters. So, you know, basically like special ops kind of guys. And one, there was one of them there, and he said, um, when I'm under heavy gunfire, um, that is when I'm at my most relaxed. And I'm like, well, that sounds very stressful to me. I find that very stressful. Well, he's, and he's like, when what is most stressful to me is being at home and standing in the line at Target, right? Mm -hmm. So what is stressful to me isn't stressful to you, and you need to, you know, the way you respond to that is what we what we need to work on, not the stresses themselves, if that makes sense. Um, and then beyond that, uh, something very important is your connection to other people. And we, you know, if we're working with people who uh, live alone or don't interact very much with their family, and this is one thing that happens a lot, particularly if somebody's gone down a dietary route. So say they've found the paleo diet, they found the low carb diet is, is working really well for them, but the, the rest of the family isn't involved. The rest of the family are eating something different. They don't necessarily you know, want to be involved in all of that. And that's very isolating. Um, and social isolation, being isolated from your family and loved ones, that's a, that's a big part of long-term health as well. So all of this stuff comes into play and it's, it's finding those things that are, that are you know, um, sort of the chinks in people's armor and, and, and finding ways to sort of build those back up are really important. So, so, so often when people come to us, their diet looks great. You know, the diet isn't something that, that I can really do, you know, do that much with. Uh, it might be um, some other things we find on testing, or it might be addressing uh, sleep quality. Um, people with uh, sleep apnea are very, very common and, and probably underdiagnosed, or, you know, that they're sort of people are isolated from their own family because of the health choices that they're making. So all of that becomes really important. Mm. What do you typically recommend for stress um, to release, you know? Yeah, so, so again, um, can be very, um, can, can be very uh, personalized. So mm. you, it might be um, sort of, uh, a, a scaled approach to the things that cause you stress. So, so again, uh, we have Simon as a performance psychologist. So um, some of the aspects of cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, slowly um, adapting the way that you expose yourself or respond to things that, that may be stressful, but then um, mindfulness, uh, meditation, yoga, uh, breath work, um, all of that can, can be, can be really important. And, 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 and even sometimes it requires um, an in-depth, or, or honest conversation about 
the job that somebody does or whether the the exercise that they're doing the sport they're doing whether it's actually benefiting them at all and you know a lot of people have um addictions or unhealthy relationships with exercise for for various reasons and you know talking about that or talking about the relationship relationship that people have with their with their family or their loved ones that may be stressful so um all of that can come into play depending on uh, on the person right right okay um back to diet uh what is your current diet so, my current diet is is i'd call it paleo-esque um mm-hmm. i've been i've been very lucky that i haven't you know unlike many people in this kind of arena i haven't struggled with any particular health issues um so i think whole real foods um are should be the basis of of uh, pretty much any diet and that's sort of regardless of, of, of macronutrients um i grow some of my own food now because we've, we've got some some space in the house that we bought i'm hopefully going to get chickens and a goat and so we'll actually sort of start to produce some of my own food um other than that i just make sure that i get a reasonable uh, protein intake or maybe sort of up to two grams per kilo uh, of body weight and then the sort of carbohydrate fat all that kind of stuff actually um goes just just based on hunger and i used to be one of those one of those guys who just eat a whole load of refined carbohydrates and i get grumpy and angry with people i had to eat all the time but once you start to eat real food and actually train your body what it's like to respond to normal hunger cues you can sort of like figure it out so one day i'll probably eat a whole load of food and then the next day that's when we're very hungry so i'll eat less and actually you can right. you can train yourself your, your body to sort of tell you what you need and that's that's kind of how i follow things at the moment yeah one thing i've noticed at the last uh, paleo effects event uh in austin was there's a uh, from coming from some people there's a big push for the bone broth diet mm-hmm. uh, what's your take on that yeah i actually i wrote a review on the bone broth diet i was asked i think one of the the publishers of so kellyanne petrucci wrote the, wrote the book um two or three years ago now they asked me to review it and i think i think it's it's fine it, it, you know there's certain aspects of it that make good sense so it focuses on real whole foods um it focuses on you know so adding you know bone broth is obviously central to it and there's there's lots of um, amino acids you can get from bone broth minerals you can get from bone broth um we're, we're probably all uh, deficient in thing in an amino acid called glycine which you get from collagen connected tissue stuff like that it's very important for uh, methylation and maybe gut health and all those other kinds of things so you know bone broth can certainly help with that um It also talks about periods of fasting and things which can, can be very beneficial. If you read the book itself, um, I think there's a, there's a bit too much of a push to sell supplements, um, which are sort of linked to the diet by the author. And um, there's, there's, also, there's also some like uh, body, body shaming in there, which, which I, really, oh, I really hate that kind of stuff. So saying, you know, are you happy being a little bit plump or do you want to be lean and fit and sexy and if if it's the latter then follow my diet and i you know i just i just hate that stuff yeah you know, that right, kind of right. body shaming that people use to, to try and get people to do a certain thing i yeah. there's there's only detrimental i see no benefit to it yeah body shaming as a sales speech is not a good one yeah ex- yeah exactly so so But, uh, some of the tenets some of the 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 basic ideas in there are, are great um right. it's just sort of some of the some of the peripheral stuff but i guess that's you know again you have a diet book that's kind of like the marketing right. and sales stuff so the, the the um the actual nuts and bolts um are great just ignore all the other stuff right right uh from my point of view again going back to the balance principle is that bone broth can definitely be part of a balanced diet but it mm-hmm. should not be the only focus of the diet no 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 which which is you may know 
I mean, I've lived in this country for years. Americans tend have a tendency to go all, you know, all hog, literally, in this, you know, bad pun, but on, on a diet, in, and then all of a sudden, everything goes wrong, right? So they go all paleo, all keto, all bone broth, and then and then six months later, they realize it's not working for them. So um, I agree that bone broth should be part of it. I mean, I have... I am taking bone broth or I'm making soups with bone broth, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not my only source of uh, nutrients. That's what I'm it, trying to tell yeah. people out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the bone broth was this big, you know, fabulous thing that came onto the scene a few years ago. But obviously, if you're a, a chef from the French culinary tradition, that's just stock, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's been made in... It's, it's nothing new at all, you know. You, no. you, you take uh, take the vegetables and, and, and the bones and you cook them down and you, and you make a stock from them for sauces and right. soups and things. So that's right. something that you've uh, been using for, for years. It's, it's nothing new. Right, right. It's funny how everything old is new again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that you also sometimes work with uh, MS patients. Uh, how do you work with them and what kind of diet do you recommend? So this uh, story goes back to um, some members of my family. So when I was at medical school, uh, my mom, um, sort of the man that she eventually married, my stepdad, um, his son, now my stepbrother, who's exactly the same age as me, um, has, multiple, has multiple sclerosis. And my stepdad is a chemical engineer. And what chemical engineers are really good at doing is solving problems, solving complex problems. That's essentially what they're taught to do. My wife's also a chemical engineer. Um, and what we basically decided, so I was, um, doing my medical degree and, and so I had sort of like the medical, the bio, the, um, biomedical biochemistry side of things. They had the, the engineering side of things. We, we basically read, uh, hundreds, thousands of papers about all the various things that could uh, be involved in both the, both starting multiple sclerosis and then maybe hopefully reducing the disease burden or, or stopping it if possible. And we built, um, when we published a, a paper or two in this and we've done lots of talks and we built these huge um, sort of models of all the things and how they interact. And, and a lot of the stuff that comes out is dietary, um, lifestyle, toxins, infections, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the kind of diet that seemed to make the most sense based on our analysis of all the literature um, was something close to like a, an autoimmune paleo uh, type diet. And mm-hmm. this is actually very similar to what Terry Walls uh, might, if, if you've heard of her, might pre- um, yeah. uh, promote. Yeah, we've heard her on the show a couple of times, yeah. Yeah, great. And she's, she's, I mean, she's, she's awesome, obviously. Um, yeah. And so what, when we were doing that work originally, we, we had never heard of Terry Walls. Her diet and way in one way, we came up with another way and actually they seem to agree, which kind of makes me think, well, actually we're, we might be on the right path there. Um, so that's the, that's the kind of diet that we use. Um, uh, intermittently, uh, clients, people that I work with, uh, will have multiple sclerosis. I don't have a multiple sclerosis, a focused practice. Um, but that's the stuff. So that's what we'd focus on in terms of diet, but then again, going in and looking at everything else in terms of, um, toxic exposures or infections or, you know, other lifestyle aspects that are going to, going to be very important. Uh, we go and go and look at that too, but that's how, that, that sort of uh, autoimmune paleo type diet is how, um, how we recommend uh, people with MS a start to eat. And that's how my um, stepbrother eats. And he's 
been in, I mean, you can't, you don't really go into true long-term remission for MS, or at least nobody thinks that you do yet, but he hasn't had any flares or, you know, his MRI scans have actually improved over the last three or four years. And he's, you know, mm -hmm. he sticks to a pretty strict autoimmune paleo diet. And we've done a whole load of other stuff too. And I can't say mm -hmm. that it was the diet that fixed him, but the fact that he's healthy and happy and doing well is, is all that matters. So you feel that it is possible to reverse or at least stop uh, MS? That's certainly been our experience um, in people who've done that. Um, definitely seen a dramatic increase or re dramatic reduction in terms of um, the progression of the disease and the number of flares that they have. Um, and th there's obviously medications that your that neurologists will recommend and we don't recommend. We definitely wouldn't tell people to stop their medications and stop talking to the neurologist. It's always in conjunction with uh, their, their other medical care. Um, but certainly the people that, that we know and, and you know, the wider community have, seem to be benefiting, at least, you know, from dietary changes that, that are having an impact on their disease burden. Right. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so you offer a fully integrated program to your clients. Can you tell us more about that program? Yeah. So it's essentially all of the things that uh, we've talked about. People will... Um, We'll, we'll, we'll come to us and they'll usually work with us for at least a year. Often we have people who stay on um, for multiple years, uh, which is great because then, you know, you really get to, to know people very well. And that's, that's part of our process. We'd rather work with um, fewer people, but do a better job. Uh, I guess that's, if that's the way you want to put it. Um, previously, people would sort of just come to us in, in bit parts and they maybe do one test and they talk to us for an hour and then they disappear. And we, at one point, we sat down and figured out that the people who were getting the best results were the people who we spent the most time with and, you know, did things in a, in a methodical uh, manner. So then that's essentially the way that we like to work with people uh, exclusively now. So uh, you come to us, um, hopefully commit to working with us for at least a year, um, but you can always speak to one of the team first. So maybe uh, you jump on a call with me or Clay, who's, who's one of our coaches, and you just talk about whether, you know, it's going to be useful for you to work with us because we don't, you know, we want to make sure that's the case first. Um, and then uh, there'll be uh, two or three consultations. We'll talk with me, some of the other coaches. We'll look at diet and sleep and stress and all those other things. Uh, we'll do some, some testing. We'll usually start with some blood testing, maybe some other testing, and then other things will come in as and when they're needed. And then, you know, it's a process of changing things over time. You know, maybe we need to uh, address some specific issues. Um, you'll work with Simon, our performance psychologist, to kind of talk through, you know, what uh, the stumbling blocks that may be um, or things that are holding you back from, from things that you maybe want to change. So you, maybe you want to change your diet, but you've just, um, you've really struggled building good habits. You've struggled to, to find ways to, to make it sustainable. And, you know, all of that uh, comes into play and then uh, we'll slowly work through that um, over time, piece by piece. And, you know, in, in uh, manageable chunks, you know, how do you eat a whale one bite at a time? You know, you don't just dump everything in right at the beginning and overwhelm people. And that makes it very difficult. So just working on things uh, piece by piece to try and, like I said, build somebody who's robust and healthy and doesn't need us anymore. can go off into the world and, you know, and live their life and, and be happy and healthy. Right. Right. On the practical side is your program um, reimbursed by uh, health insurance? Not reimbursed by health insurance, but you can use your health savings account to pay for it. So we have some people who have an HSA and have used that uh, towards the cost of the program. All right. Good to know. Thank you for that, telling us that. Uh, Mark, your turn. Well, Tommy, you've given us some really good information. No one can deny that. Um, obviously, people are going to want to know where they can get hold of more information, get to know more about you and what you do. Uh, mm -hmm. I take it you've got 
a rather rather good website that people can go to? Yes, uh, nourishbalancethrive.com. Um, the, uh, the, the, the company name is a bit of a mouthful, I'll admit. Um, and we often have people who are like, yeah, nutrition, balance, something. Um, so nourishbalancethrive.com, all one word. Um, and from there, there are various things you can uh, arrange to speak to one of us for you know, a quick consultation, figure out if you want to work with us. We have multiple tools that I mentioned. So we have something called our Elite Performance Analysis Tool. And this is basically, we took um, a few hundred of our clients and everybody who works with us you know, does some subjective questionnaires. I've talked about the importance of subjective quality of life. So there's things about how you sleep, um, sex drive, uh, mental health, gut health, all that kind of stuff. Um, and actually based on those questions, we can predict some health issues, some, some underlying things that might be going on. It could be gut issues or metabolic health issues, um, issues with your circadian rhythm. And that's Chris's expertise in machine learning. Um, and actually they're, they're really good at predicting this stuff, like much better than I thought. I thought it would, I'm, I was really surprised at how well it worked, um, I'll have to admit. Um, so that's where people can get started. You can access that tool for free if you want to sort of just kind of dig into your own health. And then we have the, um, a similar thing with blood test results, but you know, very in depth, we can predict a whole host of stuff. You can order the blood tests through us um, and you know, just get the output and you don't need to even interact with any of the coaches or anything. You can just uh, navigate that all by yourself if you like. We have coaches on hand if you want to, um, if you want to speak to somebody, um, but you know, that's, that's kind of a separate service and all that's uh, available through the website. So depending on what you're interested in, um, uh, we also have, uh, have, I have an email, uh, a weekly email, which I write, which sort of is full of all this kind of stuff, practical tips and lots of research if people are into, the, into that kind of stuff. So you can sign up for that too. So all of those things are available through the website. That's the best way to get, best place to mm -hmm. You also have you on the website, right? Yes, uh, drragnar.com um, is where I, where I started out. Um, I had a, a podcast called the Eat Better Podcast a couple of years ago with a friend of mine called Chloe. Um, the, that website has been... Uh, less well attended to recently i'll put it that way um so there's all my old articles are on there i'm in the process of updating it and having a, a separate place where where everything will go on there so in all you know both the podcast that i host and then also the one like interviews like this will go on there so watch this space hopefully in the next uh, month or two that that website will be up and running again and, and looking a little bit more interesting right super super well you, as i said you've been through a, a huge amount of stuff for us today um is there anything that um, Alan hasn't asked you that he should have asked you? <laughs> um, that's a good question. No, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think we, I think, uh, I think we covered everything. Excellent. Um, yeah. Super job. Well, I haven't got any difficult questions for you today. I've just been enthralled yeah. with what you're saying. So, uh. <laughs> okay, well, that, well that, that, that's good. Um, if you uh, if you come up with any difficult questions, uh, feel free to throw them my way, and uh, yeah. uh, I can I can send you an email. Or whatever. As you can tell, Mark likes to uh, keep our our guest on the, uh, on tender hooks. Yes. On yeah, 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 yeah. Ten tender hooks. Is that what you saying? Ten ten tender hooks. Yes. Ten to hooks. Okay. Thank you again, Tommy, for being on the local paleo show. And as we say in Texas, à votre santé, yo. You hear that everywhere in Texas. You really do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Actually, I would be surprised if you heard that in Austin. That sounds like a kind of an Austin. Yeah. Kind of thing I know at least one person who says it in Austin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I know who that is. Yeah. Well, now it's worldwide, so. 
it's gonna it's gonna spread like wildfire. Okay. In, in case you wanted to know what it meant.